Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. If you have your Bibles today, I want to ask you to take them and open them with me to the New Testament book of Luke, to Luke chapter one for this morning's message and for our time together uh, here today. I want to talk to you this morning about the subject, believing the promises of God, believing the promises of God. Well, as you know, today uh, we are in that time of year where everywhere we go, we are reminded Uh, That It is the Christmas season. The Christmas season is upon us. Everywhere we go, we see the decorations and the decor, whether we're walking downtown Harrisonburg or we're going to the local malls, or as you see, as I saw yesterday, even a large tow truck with a large uh, wreath on the grill of the truck. It's a reminder that the Christmas season is here. And with this season, of course, comes not only all the decorations and all those things, but uh, all the signs of that. We are reminded every day, probably, when we go to the mailbox and we see another, another sales paper and another advertisement of uh, something to buy, a deal to be gained, that if you purchase this, that you're going to finally have the good life. Of course, they don't tell you that in two months when Valentine's Day comes around, they're going to give you another sales ad because you still hadn't found the good life in that big purchase they send you. We're in that time of year where we think about food and parties and festivities and uh, can I get a witness? Anybody loves some Christmas sweets and desserts, right? And we enjoy uh, the gatherings with friends and with people and all those uh, things together. Uh, one of the things that I love about the Christmas season, though, is honestly, I love the music. Any, any music lovers out there? Man, I, I love the music. I, I enjoy a, a good artist or a good beat or a good tune. I, I enjoy all those things. And But I was reminded recently through music especially how quickly, even though we're in the season of Christmas, how quickly we have lost sight of Christ. How quickly we get caught up with the glitz and glamour. We get quickly buy into the fool's gold of the world. We get distracted. We get busy. We get caught up in the what I want or the what I have to get for someone else. And we, we miss in the midst of that the heart of what this celebration was really intended to be about. The heart of Christmas is really a celebration that God so loved man that he came and he dwelt among us. He came in the person of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ. He came to make a way who we, fallen sinners, could be forgiven and could be saved. Christmas is ultimately a celebration that God came to make a way for us to know him and ultimately one day spend an eternity with him. That's really what the celebration is all about. But for many of us, we get caught up in the glitz and glamour, all the festivities, all the different things that we lose sight of the true reason for it all. I was reminded of that as I was listening to music the other day. I have a, an app on my cell phone and, 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 and I can push that app and, and I have learned in this that I can quickly search for just about any artist from any genre and just about any song. Now, as a music lover, that's a dangerous weapon, okay? And, and so I, I remember uh, the first time I saw this app, I, I began to look for something. Now, when I was growing up as a child, my, my parents would often play a a, spe- a specific Christmas album, and they played it on something that some of us haven't heard of. It's called a cassette tape. You know what I mean? Like, 
that thing that you used to have to stick the back of a pencil into to try to get it to, to turn everything. But I remember we had this cassette tape. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It was a Christmas album by the California Raisins. Anybody ever heard of this thing? It was the coolest Christmas album in the history of the world, okay? If you disagree with me, I'll arm wrestle you over. But anyway, I, I remember growing up, we listened to that, that, that thing every Christmas. And so as an adult, over the years, I have tried to find that album. And I have found it on eBay for like $250, okay? Like it's crazy how rare this thing is. Well, I get this app on my phone and I'm thinking, well, I wonder, they say everything. I look this thing up and instantly all the tunes of my childhood were, it's all coming back, all coming back to me now. You know, like, like I'm listening to the tunes and instantly my mind is taken back like 20, 30 years. And so as I'm, as I'm listening to these songs, I, I'm in the vehicle and I stop and I, and I look in that process, I look up some Christmas songs and I see a playlist for the top 100 Christmas songs. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. So I push play and I'm driving down the road. This happened, to, I don't know, a week or so ago. And I'm, I'm driving down the road and we're listening to songs and instantly my mind is, and I'm looking at the kids and being like, y'all have no idea what real music is. This is real music, guys. Like this artist was amazing. This song was so good. And I'm talking about all these things. And suddenly I'm like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 songs into this thing. And it dawns on me. I am sitting here with all this joy and exuberance, reliving my childhood, these songs about Christmas. And in 13 to 14 songs, I haven't yet heard a single song, even with a reference to Jesus Christ. And I begin to think like, what am I teaching my kids about all these amazing songs that have nothing to do with Jesus? And so I, I kind of scanned through the playlist and I didn't get through all of it, but I probably got to like 82, 83, somewhere in the 80s. And in the entire time, I heard a grand total of four songs that even in passing barely mentioned the son of God who was born and laid in a manger in Bethlehem. The so pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that for many of us, we get so caught up in the glitz and the glamour and all the festivities, all the magic, all the fun, all the celebration that we miss what it's truly about. Christmas should be all about the grace and goodness of God. We are celebrating the fact that God so loved the world that he graciously came to earth. He dwelt among us, making a way for us to be with him for all eternity. When we realize what Christmas is really all about, when we realize what God really did in sending his son for us, frankly, it can lead us to only one fitting response. And that is the simple response of believing in him. My question for you this morning and my question for us throughout the next several weeks is simply this, do you truly believe God? And I believe over the next few weeks that God's gonna show us several things about himself that he calls us specifically to believe about him. And we begin today in Luke chapter one, believing the promises of God. I wanna ask you if you're physically able, would you stand to your feet as we read verses five through 25 together and keep your Bibles open because at the very end of the message, we're gonna to turn to the end of the chapter. Luke chapter one, verse five, the Bible says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that while Zacharias was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, 
According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll drink no wine or liquor. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias, listen to how he responded, said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Listen to the statement, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them, but remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Let's pray together. Father, we do love you and we thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to read and to study your word today. God, I pray that through it, you would speak to our hearts and lives to convict us, to direct us, and ultimately to change us in whatever ways you see fit. Father, help us today to realize the importance of your promises and to believe them today in each of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Believing the promises of God. You know, it's really interesting because of the way that sometimes in our culture we make promises. It's hard for us to understand at times the significance and the impact of the promises of God. Sometimes we make promises very flippantly without any intention to ever fulfill them and keep them. But that's not the case with God. God is very intentional about every promise and he is faithful to fulfill every promise that he gives. Not only that, but sometimes we don't even understand someone's promises to us. We oftentimes confuse what is someone saying as a promise and what someone is just saying as a random statement. I'm reminded of the illustration of a little boy one day who was so excited because the doorbell rang and he ran to the doorbell to quickly discover that his mom's mother, his grandmother, was there for a surprise, unexpected visit 
on Christmas morning. And so he was ecstatic. He opened the door and he welcomed his grandmother in. And as soon as he welcomed his grandmother in, he said, oh, grandma, I'm so glad you're here. Daddy's gonna do what he promised. I'm so glad you're here. Daddy's gonna do what he promised. He's gonna do what he promised. And she said, what do you mean? What did your daddy promise if I came? And he looked at his grandmother in the innocence of a child and he said, my daddy's been promising all morning that if you show up for Christmas, he's gonna climb the walls this afternoon. We don't always understand the promises. We certainly don't always fulfill those promises. But God, his promises are clear. And his promises are true. He leaves nothing to question. He gives guidance. He gives direction. He gives promise. And as a result of that, we can have confidence and assurance that he is faithful to fulfill them. Here in Luke chapter 1, we see the story unfold as God brings to mind a man by the name of Zacharias. And I believe that God has much to teach through his life through what God said, as well as through some things that Zacharias didn't do so well, God teaches us some things that we need to know about believing his promises. Four things I want you to see from Luke chapter one this morning. The first thing I want you to see is the consistent pursuit of God. The consistent pursuit of God. If we're called to believe the promises of God, I believe it stands to reason then that we must know the promises of God. Well, how do we know the promises of God? How do we discover them? How do we know what God has promised? How do we know what God is promising in a given moment or in a given situation? Do we just know the promises of God because we think them in our heart and mind? Do we just know the promises of God because our understanding is so good and so God-like that we can lean on our understanding? Do we know God's promises simply by depending upon the professionals or seeking the counselor or seeking the pastor? Is that where we get all the promises of God? I believe what God calls us to recognize in Luke chapter one, verses five through 13 is the importance of a right relationship with him. If we are gonna know the promises of God personally in our own lives, I believe that happens in the context of a personal relationship with God. We see that in the context of Zacharias. The Bible tells us several things about this man by the name of Zacharias. The Bible first tells us in verses five and six that Zacharias was righteous in the sight of God. In fact, Zacharias and Elizabeth both, they, they had a love for God. Zacharias, even as a child, had grown up learning about the God of Israel. He had learned the prophecies of old. He had learned about the importance of loving the Lord as God with his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the Bible says he was righteous in the sight of God. And this means specifically that because he loved God and wanted to honor God, Zacharias committed to doing things that were pleasing to God, but rejected things that were displeasing to God. The fact that he's righteous in the sight of God simply means that he lived his life in a way that he sought to bring glory and honor to God. But not only that, the Bible tells us he was faithful. The scripture says he was walking blamelessly in the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. And in verse eight, he was performing his priestly service there that day in the temple. Now, in order for us to understand his faithfulness, we need to understand kind of the context of what's going on. In Zacharias's day, Frankly, he lived in a time where most people were not believing the promises of God. Most people, even God's chosen people, the Jews, had long since been rebelling against God and ignoring what God had called them to do. In fact, when you go back and study the Old Testament, we see God raising up prophet after prophet after prophet, and oftentimes they are confronting sin and they're calling the people to repent and turn back to God. But oftentimes, even those prophets, they're foretelling what's to come. They're speaking of the savior that would come. They're speaking of the details as they would unfold. 
But unfortunately, by Zacharias' day, the people had been ignoring God. They'd been rejecting many of those commandments. They had been losing sight of what God was promised to come in the future. And as a result of their rejection, God had become silent. In fact, for 400 years, God had not given them a new word. For 400 years, God had not raised up another prophet. For 400 years, as the people were living unfaithfully, God did not move among them. And in the midst of that, the Bible tells us that here was Zacharias. Zacharias was still faithful. At a time when many people were turning away, at a time when many people were saying, oh, if God really meant it, he would have done something by now. If God's word was true, he would have done something by now. In a time where many were living in darkness, Zacharias continued faithfully to do what God called him to do. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you don't know what God is doing? What do you do when you don't feel God right there? What do you do when you're not certain how God's working things together, if he even is? Here's what you do. You do what Zacharias did. You faithfully serve God and honor him, believing that in his time, he will move. Zacharias was faithful. Zacharias was righteous. But Zacharias was also prayerful. He was prayerful. In fact, I'm challenged by the way that Zacharias prayed. Because Zacharias didn't just pray when he felt like it. He didn't just pray when it was easy. He didn't just pray when he saw signs of God's answer. No, Zacharias faithfully prayed and sought God. In fact, Zacharias' story, Zacharias and Elizabeth, they stand out to us as a significant reminder that even when you live a life of godliness, and you live a life of faithfulness, even when you live a life of service to the Lord, it doesn't mean that life will be easy. It doesn't mean you won't have hard times. It doesn't mean that there won't be trials and circumstances, accidents and mistakes along the way. No, trials will come. Circumstances will come. Hardships will come. Things that will cause you to question why those things will come. And in the context of Zacharias' life, here's how that represented itself. The Bible tells us that Zacharias and Elizabeth both were up in age. In fact, they were up in age. They lived their life for a long time, been married for a long time, but there was One major question in their heart and life, one major hurt. In fact, we know later on in the passage of Scripture, it became an area where Elizabeth was treated differently in the culture as people looked at her, and the hurt all consisted in one primary area, and that is that they did not have a child. They didn't have a child. She was unable to conceive. We don't know why. We don't know the details, and I'm sure she questioned God why. God, why is this happening? Why is this allowed? And and no doubt, They have prayed for years and years and years for God's provision of a child. Frankly, I'm sure it didn't make sense to them. I mean, I would imagine in this moment, Zacharias probably years earlier had kind of come to the place where he's he's kind of realized, God, we, we love you. We've been living for you. We've been praying. We've been asking for a child. I imagine it would have been easy years earlier to just give up on the request. But I want to remind us this morning, even when you don't see it, Even when you don't feel it, God is faithful to hear the prayers of his children and to answer in a way that brings him glory. God is faithful to hear our prayers and God is working in ways that we may not see in the moment, we may not feel in the present, but I'm telling you this morning, we can trust that God is hearing and that God is good and he is working things together for his glory and even for our good. Here's Zacharias and he's in the temple. He's fulfilling his priestly role, and which part of that would include interceding, praying for the people. 
And I believe most likely Zacharias has, has prayed for the people. He's prayed about the sins of the people. He's probably prayed for specific people by name that he was burdened for. And here he is up in age. He's fulfilling his priestly responsibilities. And likely towards the end of his prayer, he remembers again his wife. And here's what he says, something like this. And Lord, would you remember my wife? Lord, would you remember my wife? I, I know we've prayed for years and, and I know it may sound silly at the moment. I know we're, I know we're getting old and I know it, it sounds maybe a little crazy, but God, would you still give us a child? Here he is praying and seeking the Lord. You know, the reality is this morning is that no matter what we go through in our lives, we can have complete assurance that the almighty God of heaven is alive and he's attentive to the prayers of his people. If we're gonna know the promises of God, I believe it would do us well to start with having a relationship with him where we love him, where we honor him, and ultimately where we seek him in prayer. Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 says it this way. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's often in that time of prayer, it's in that time of seeking the Lord that we find that God fulfills his promise. So let's start with that consistent pursuit of him. The second thing I want you to see this morning from Luke chapter one is the clear promise of God, the clear promise of God. Here's Zacharias. He has pursued this relationship with God. He loves him. He's living for him. He's praying. And now that he's remembered that prayer, Lord, would you remember my wife, Elizabeth? The Bible says suddenly that the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, appeared before him. Now, this was not necessarily a common thing to him. Zacharias had never experienced this. No doubt the presence of an angel would have absolutely terrified him. In our culture, we make angels with these cute little halos and wings. Oh, how adorable. That is not the case biblically. When that happens, literally people would bow in fear. And so he's afraid. Notice what the angel says in verse 13. The angel says, Zacharias, do not be afraid. For your petition or your prayer has been heard, and here's the promise, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Now, think for just a moment with me. Zacharias did not have the full Bible as we have today. Zacharias had the Old Testament law. Zacharias did not have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we have today as believers. Zacharias had this messenger from God, and yet the promise was true, and it was clear. I want to encourage us all this morning to be aware and to be mindful of this simple fact. As a believer today, we have the Word of God. But not only do we have the Word of God, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And when He speaks into our heart and life, His promises are as clear for us today as they were for Zacharias in that moment. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Here's what he said. He said, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he, the Holy Spirit, will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Listen to the statement. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and here's this phrase again, he will disclose it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and listen to the phrase again and he will say it with me, disclose it to you. Notice what Jesus is saying here. 
Jesus is saying that when you have the Holy Spirit of God, there are gonna be times that he's gonna work and he's gonna move and he's gonna speak so clearly in your life that he discloses the truth of God to you. It's like one writer said, it's like he's letting you in on the secret of how he's working and how he's moving. Does that mean you're gonna be able to predict the future? No, but it does mean you'll have a conviction and an assurance of what he's promising and what he's saying. Of course, I've given this illustration numerous times uh, and I don't mean to, to continue to use it, but it's a powerful indication of this, illustration of this. February the 2nd, 2016, I, I was at our kitchen table in Christiansburg, Virginia. Uh, my wife and I, our family, we were in a church in Christiansburg and we had been praying for some two months asking God, God, would you give direction? Would you guide us? Would you give clarity? Lord, if this is of you, would you show us and make us clear? And we had been faithfully seeking God in prayer really for many months, but specifically about Crosslink for almost two months. February the 2nd, 2016, I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I'm reading the Old Testament book of Haggai. Exciting book, I tell you, okay? Old Testament book of Haggai. I come to Haggai chapter two and I'm just telling you, is God is my witness. God so convicted me with what I read that day and so personally moved in my heart and life, I believe in that moment that God gave me five specific words of promise. In fact, even as I read them, I remember it was almost like my breath was taken away. And I remember sitting back and then going back to the Bible and just briefly writing down what those promises were. And, and as I thought upon them, I believe God was just guiding me and directing me. I remember getting up from that kitchen table and I remember going and, and kneeling at that couch and I began to pray and just say, God, if this is what you desire, I'm willing. And I remember opening my hands just saying, God, I, I, I wanna do what you want me to do. I wanna be obedient to you. And I, I got on my phone and I texted my wife who was teaching at a school and I said, I need you to call me. She called me and she said, she said, what's wrong? And I said, nothing's wrong. I don't wanna be presumptuous. I'm not even thinking that I can tell you the future, but as of this morning, 30 minutes ago, God is calling us to Harrisonburg, Virginia. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know the details, but God is, God is working in this way. And there was this deep conviction of what God was doing. And sure enough, as God would work things out and the plan would move forward and what he would accomplish, the Lord brought us here, I don't know, four or five months later, whatever the time frame was, the end of June, 2016. So pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that when we have God's word in our heart and the Holy Spirit is working to mold us and shape us, here's what he does. He speaks personal word of promise and conviction into our lives. Now in this moment, notice what the angel did. The angel promised three things. This is the message from God. God first promised a son. In other words, he promised something personally based upon the need of Zacharias and Elizabeth. He promised a son. Verse 13, Zacharias, you're gonna have a son. Elizabeth is going to conceive. You're gonna have a son and you're gonna name the boy John, which by the way means God is gracious. God was being gracious to work among them. God was being gracious to intervene in their life. What I want us to see this morning is that God sent this angel to give this simple message. Zacharias, you may not understand it. You may question it. You may challenge it. You may be astounded, but God has a plan. Trust him. Now, I imagine in this moment that for Zacharias, it would have been easy for him immediately to wonder, wait a second, but the timing would have been so much better when I was younger. I don't know that I can even get in the ground and play ball with him or wrestle with him anymore. I don't know about that, but here's what he understood. He understood that God was giving a personal word of promise. God's promise to Zacharias was as personal as his request. 
The reason in our life that we can't merely lean on the knowledge of others to know the promises of God is because there are personal things that only God will show to you about your life and your situation when you personally approach him. See, as a pastor, I can take God's word and I can take you through literally like a textbook, promise one and promise two and promise three and promise four. But here's the reality. That teaching and that preaching is no substitute for your personal walk with God, getting in his word and letting God speak to your heart and life. Here in this moment, what's happening is, is God is giving a very personal promise. Secondly, he not only promised a son, he promised a sign. Notice what the scripture says. Here in verse 16, and this son of yours, Zacharias, this son that I'm giving, he's not just any son, not just any child. There's a specific purpose and mission for him. He will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. Maybe I should back up before that and say verse 14, Zacharias, you're going to have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth and many, verse 16, will be turned back to the Lord their God. There's a sign I want you to understand, Zacharias. See, you're gonna have joy and gladness. Who wouldn't? He's having a child. Zacharias and Elizabeth have prayed for years that God would give them a child. It's happening. There's joy and there's gladness. But much more than that, I want you to know, Zacharias, that through what God does, many will rejoice. In Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke on 19 different occasions uses this same word for rejoice, and it's always referring to a multitude of people who are rejoicing and celebrating. Why would that be the case? It would be the case because what he's ultimately describing is he's describing an anticipation and an excitement that would be there because of what was to follow, what was to come after the birth of this son. Now, I think of that and I'm reminded that most of us don't like waiting. Can I get an amen to that? Anybody? There's nothing in me at all that enjoys waiting. But there are some times where waiting is kind of exciting because you're waiting in anticipation. You know what I'm talking about? I was thinking about that the other day as I was watching outside of my window. I saw some some clouds developing and they were kind of gray and it wasn't cold enough to snow, but it looked like it might snow. And my mind went back to, to really my childhood, my high school days. I grew up in the state of Alabama and in central Alabama, it just does not snow, right? People here oftentimes think I'm crazy because I absolutely love snow, right? There's something about the forecast of snow that makes me feel like a kid again. Anybody like that? that, that that's how I am. Growing up in Alabama, I think twice my entire life, it snowed to where it actually stuck on the ground, okay? And I remember as a kid praying for snow to come. I remember being in high school and literally us looking out the window, the forecast would be that we might get flurries in Alabama. Ooh, big deal, you know? And we would see those, those grayish clouds moving in. And I remember a high school teacher saying, all right, time out, everybody, we're going outside to see if it's gonna snow. I remember that. Like how great, we were so desperate for it, it's crazy. We didn't know what to do with it once it came, but we were hoping for it, all right? I remember one Sunday night, we had services in our church. I I was a kid. I I was probably your age, Sierra. I was little. And I remember us hearing the report that we were going to get snow. And I remember literally as soon as the service ended, we were rushing, the kids, we were rushing outside. And it was like clockwork, like a scene from a movie. All of a sudden, the flakes began to fall. 
And I remember us trying to catch him. We were so excited about the possibility of snow and building a snowman. Ended up being like the blizzard of 93, which we weren't anticipating. But the bottom line is, is we were anticipating. That's kind of the picture here. What he's saying is, Zacharias, there's gonna be rejoicing because there's anticipation and there's hope and there's excitement because what's gonna come after your son is gonna be completely life-changing for all of eternity. The world will never be the same. He gives him a sign. But then finally, he promises the main promise, not only of a son, not only of a sign, but the promise of a savior. Notice what the scripture says in verse 17. Zacharias, it is he, your son, who will go as a forerunner before him, the Lord, in the spirit and the power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so to make ready a people prepared for who? The Lord. Zacharias, here's what's amazing. I know it's been a long time. I know you've been praying for what seems like forever. I know your whole marriage, you've been asking God to work and to move and to provide a miracle of sending a son. But I want you to know, Zacharias, even though you've been waiting all these years, you and Elizabeth, God is working and God is answering. He's giving you a son. Oh, but Zacharias, that's not the best part. I know the people have longed for a word from God for over 400 years. I know that the people of God have longed for a savior, the Messiah, the son of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. They've been looking for thousands of years. It seems like it will never happen. Could it ever even be true? But I want you to know, Zacharias, the savior is soon to come. The hope of all the world is soon to be here. The Prince of Peace, the Lord of Lords, the one who can set men free, the one who can forgive their sin, the one who can change them, the one who can save their soul, the Savior is soon to be here. In fact, the birth of your son is a reminder that he's to go as the forerunner ahead of the Savior. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that the scene was set, wasn't it? The scene was set. Zacharias has lived for the Lord. He's been praying. God speaks a clear word of promise. The scene is set for Zacharias to respond in a way that pleases God and for God to bring his son into the world. All's good, right? I want you to consider for just a moment how Zacharias responded. I want you to consider the third point of the message. That is the common problem of man. The common problem of man I don't know if it's just me this morning, but one would think that Zacharias would be ecstatic about this promise, right? I mean, just to be honest with you, if I've been praying for like a week, a month, a year about something and God hasn't answered, and then finally God answers it, I am ecstatic, right? How about you? Anybody else like that? Can you imagine praying year after year after year after year, likely for decades, no evidence, no sign, no nothing, and all of a sudden God answers, I would think I'd be pretty ecstatic about it. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I've seen too many Hallmark movies to where I expect every scene to end in a kiss. You know, I don't know, like every scene has a good ending. The guy gets the girl, the girl gets the guy, and they live happily ever after. Like, like Zacharias gets it, he goes for it in faith, and all is well. That's how I expect Zacharias to respond. In fact, if I can just put my like embellished imagination to it, here's what a perfect ending would have looked like. Zacharias would have heard the message 
And in faith, he would have said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. God has answered our long prayer. He would have left the temple. He would have gone and found his wife immediately. Hey, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, come here, come here. The angel of the Lord just told me, God's answered the prayer. We're gonna have a baby. So we gotta go, we gotta go have a baby right now, okay? Like, that was G-rated, right? Okay. But he says, wait, but Paul's before we leave, I gotta go do something. So he walks out of the steps of the temple. All of Israel, hear what I have to say. The Savior of the world is coming. The Messiah will be here. He's going to give his life so that you can be forgiven of your sins. You can know God and walk in a relationship with him. Your soul will be saved for all of eternity. You must repent of your sin. And instantly, there's such conviction that the people began going to the temple steps and they're bowing and they're confessing their sin like a Billy Graham crusade. They're convicted and they're getting right with God. And Zacharias is like, come on, honey, we gotta go. You know, like the end, that's how it ends. That's not what happens. Zacharias has a problem that frankly, you and I have. Two things that I think that hinder Zacharias in this moment that often hinder us from responding in a way that pleases the Lord. The common problem, man, number one, we are distracted. Verse 18, Zacharias has just heard the best news of his life from the messenger of God, the angel Gabriel. And Zacharias says, but how can I know this for certain? But notice he's not talking about the savior of the world, the long way to Messiah. How can I know about this child to be born to us? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. In other words, the angel has just told him the best news that the world could ever receive, the savior of the world was coming to redeem the people, to set them free, to bring them to the right relationship with God. And he completely missed the point. It's like the child on Christmas that they they had this incredible, wonderful, amazing gift. It's like the dream thing. And they open the gift and they literally dump out all the toys. They dump out this incredible gift and they push it aside and they choose instead to play with the box. They kind of missed the point. Could you imagine if, if, if tomorrow afternoon I call my wife when she gets off from work and, and I call and I ask her, hey, sweetheart, what are your plans for the afternoon? She says, well, first, I'm, I'm picking up the kids from school. Secondly, I got to drive over there to that dealership because we're getting a brand new vehicle that we've won for free. It's amazing. This thing's going to be so nice, blah, blah, blah. And then third, I'm going home to fix dinner. And then I would ask, hmm, well, what's for dinner? You'd say, what? you say, typical man. I don't know. Maybe you'd be like, dude, you are hungry, right? What's the deal? I will completely have missed the point. Why? Because I'm distracted. Zacharias is serving God. He's a priest. He's been praying. He knows all these prophecies. He knows all the truths about the Messiah. He knows all these things. And yet in the moment when he hears the word of promise, he's completely distracted. He's so caught up in what's going on that he completely missed what God was doing. Let me ask you a question. How often do we do this with God? 
We're caught up in maybe our pressures and responsibilities. Maybe we're just caught up in, in all the distractions. Maybe we're caught up in all the busyness and, and all the different things we gotta do and all the times we gotta go here and all the things we gotta go there. And we're so busy and we're so caught up really in our own pursuits and, and at times even pursuing the things of others. But the reality is in the midst of it all, we somehow seem to be distracted from the still small voice of God. In fact, some of us are so distracted that even if we were to know his promises, we'd kind of sit back and think, hmm. The fact of the matter is this morning is that a distracted life is more detrimental to us than we could ever imagine. We're so distracted. The fact of the matter is that God, through his word, he wants to speak to us, that God wants to relate to us. He wants to connect with us, but so often we miss it because we're giving in to the stress and the pressures of life and all the different things that are going on around us. I should have asked my wife if I can share this illustration before I share it, but hopefully she'll forgive me afterwards. I was reminded of that this week. This week there was a conversation that my wife and I had on the phone and it was early one morning and, and I was already busy about my day and busy about things that were before me and frankly, I, I was feeling stress and pressure. Anybody ever been there before? I mean, to the extent that I'm literally, I know exactly what's gotta get done and I'm watching the clock. I know exactly how much time I have to get it done and I'm, and I'm pressured and I'm rushed and all these different things. And, and we end up talking on the phone and we're, we're kind of connecting for a moment. And she said, hey, I wanted to talk to you about something. And I said, okay. And, and she said, hey, I've been thinking about this and I, I think we should consider this and we should talk about this. And, and I'm just gonna be perfectly honest with you. I was stressed. And in my mind, I was so caught up in the moment of what I had to do and the burden that I felt and the responsibility that I felt. I don't, I don't think I was terribly rude. I did have to apologize later, but I, I literally said to her, she said, what do you think of that? As she, as she, when she finished, what do you think of that? And I said, honestly, I'm overwhelmed and I can't even think about that right now. What I missed in that moment was that my wife was saying, hey, I wanna connect with you about this. I wanna talk with you about this. I want us to think about this together. I want us to process this together. Like this is a connecting moment. This is a moment for our relationship to be strengthened. And here was my response. I'm too busy, I'm overwhelmed, we'll talk later. That's not exactly what I said, but it's kind of what my actions said. And I had to apologize and baptize the child and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. That was the custom of the day. But his mother answered and said, no, indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. So they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and he wrote on it as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. What God had told him. Zacharias begins to recognize he couldn't talk, he couldn't speak out loud, but before long he began to recognize, guess what? His wife was pregnant. And she, she began to experience the physical symptoms of that and she began to probably be sleepy or she began to maybe to have sickness or she eventually began to, have, to show, but he recognized his wife was pregnant just like 